Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. To a new episode of It's a Groom's Life and we've got a different side to the episode today so we're actually going to talk about HR um, and I have Shona Hamilton Higgins who is from Lilac HR you might have seen her pop up on Instagram um, and we're going to talk about probably more so if you're in an employed role but it might um, help if you're self-employed as well but we'll find out more um, so hello Shona thank you so much for coming on Hi, thanks for having me. Pleasure. So let's go straight into it. So can you tell me a little bit more about yourself, a little bit more about Lilac HR and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Shona. I'm a HR consultant based in the east of England. Um, I basically work with small and medium sized businesses to get control of their people management and help them to become just brilliant employers, help them to do everything brilliantly. And I basically started my business, Lilac HR, because I got really sick of the corporate life impacting my ability to ride my horse and walk my dogs. It was starting to get on my wig. Um, yeah. <laughs> and spend time with my husband, obviously. <laughs> uh, just have to make sure I mention him. him in there. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's, that's basically why I started my business. And my whole, my whole mission is about helping employers just feel less stressed about dealing with their people. And how long have you been doing Lilac HR? So I've had the business um, three years this October, but I only really started it full time in June last year. So I started the business in 2018 um, and then thought, oh, crap, I've got a wedding to pay for. So I'd best not quit my full time job just yet. Um, Sorted all that out. And then I decided that the middle of a pandemic is a great time to go self-employed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've been doing HR for, I don't know, about 10 years now. So it's pretty much everything you know it's my whole career it's all I know yeah so have you found the transition from like being employed to self-employed I mean I know it's a scary jump but how have you found it it was in the months leading up to me going self-employed I was terrified but then on that first day where there was nobody looking over my shoulder or looking at what time I walked in the door and I'd, I had actually snuck out for a ride first thing in the morning as well. So I was like, oh, I can ride my horse. Yeah. I don't even have to change out my jobbers before I go to work. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's it. Like you can literally be in your lounge gear. And I mean, it's still nice to dress up for work, inverted commas. Yeah. But like, if you don't need to, you don't need to either. That's the, the whole point of it. Yeah, it, it's it's been so freeing. And for the first time in my life, I haven't had to spend a winter doing horses in the dark with my head torch on you know I was able to flex my diary and go and do the horses when it suited me and it's just been so amazing just having that freedom yeah definitely um okay so when it comes to greens mm-hmm. I, I guess we're talking more probably um employed greens what should they be aware about or aware of like their contracts and stuff um is, is that the right term you know what is their sort of right their employment right yeah I think I think the first thing that any employed groom needs to have is a contract so if you're working for an employer and they dictate 
when you work, how you work, what you do, and you're not allowed to work anywhere else, you're effectively employed. So if that's your situation, you have to have an, a contract of employment and your employer has to provide that to you on your first day of employment. Now, there are also rules about what has to be included in that statement of terms. Um, I'm not going to list it all out because it's quite dry and boring. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they, you must have a document that tells you about the terms of your engagement, what your rights are um, and basic processes if you have a complaint or a grievance. Um, it's slightly different if you're self-employed. You should still ideally have a contract for services in there somewhere to kind of govern that relationship between you and your client. Mm -hmm. So effectively, just so that people can't take the mickey out of you and you can just, you know exactly where you stand and you know exactly what the terms are. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's, there's lots of things in the equestrian industry that we're not getting right. Um, the British Grooms Association published a report last year on employment um, of grooms, and it said that almost 60 percent of grooms aren't being paid national minimum wage. Right. And it's insane. And, you know, lots of people will be thinking, well, it's you know, it says on my piece of paper, my contract written on the back of a fag packet, it says that I'm being paid national minimum wage. Yeah. But if you are working more than your contracted hours, like so you're effectively doing overtime and if you're not getting payment for that if you average out your pay over those working hours it probably comes to less than the national minimum wage yeah, yeah. because you're probably not working 37 and a half hours nine to five with a half hour lunch break are you you're probably working six days a week 12 hours a day yeah. not getting your rest breaks yeah so I think yeah the the wages is is, is a big thing yeah um the the report that they published last year also said that about 80 percent of grooms don't get their full holiday entitlement mm -hmm. so by law you're entitled to 5.6 weeks of holiday per year based on being a full-time employee mm. but we all know don't we the equestrian industry like what's a holiday because yeah. horses are feeding and mucking out and everything else yeah um but you are entitled to that time off. So you're, it's your employer's job to make sure that you can have that time off and that somebody can cover you so horses get fed and done. It shouldn't be your sole responsibility to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other big thing is rest breaks. Like I know myself, I worked on a riding school when I was 19 and I was training to be an instructor and I was contracted to do an eight-hour day with a half-hour lunch break and my boss expected me to poo pick a three acre field on my lunch break. Right. <laughs> That's not a break. No, no. Definitely <laughs> so, not. you know, the regulations state that you should have a 20 minute break, proper break away from your work area mm. every six hours that you work. And I know there's so many people in the equestrian industry just don't get that. No. Um, it, so I think I think the key is just being aware of what you're actually entitled to and push for that. Yeah. And I think um, I, when you were mentioning those um, stats, like I do remember the British Groom Association doing that because I think they were doing a survey, weren't they? And I think that's yeah. the result from the survey. And um, it, it was frightening, really. And I, I don't know um, if you know or it might be my perception, but I do find a lot of them are probably maybe school leavers or slightly younger who probably don't really know what their rights are um, or maybe a bit too, not I'm not sure, scared or or concerned about raising 
that, you know, I'm entitled to a holiday, I'm entitled to a break. Um, whereas if you're someone who's a little bit older, you're a bit aware of what your rights are and you have a little bit more yeah. confidence to sort of speak up and say, no, I'm having a break, I've been working for six hours, or no, I know I'm entitled to. Do you, do you think that's a, a right assumption or am I just yeah. in? Well, I mean, yeah, from my experience, I think I think that's completely bang on because how many how many are uh, school leavers go, yep, see, like, I'm going to go and work with horses and off they trot. And, you know, I've been there. I've, I was made redundant from a job and I didn't even know that I'd been made redundant. I didn't even know that that was a process or, you know, what what sort of process my employer should have gone through. Yeah. And now that I'm qualified in HR, I look back at it and go, wow, that was illegal. OK. Yeah. Um, but because because you're not aware of it, your employer doesn't feel the need to be aware of it because they 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 unfortunately they take advantage of the fact yeah. that you're not aware of your rights and you're not yeah. aware what you sh- what they should be doing yeah and I mean obviously pretty much most of question places don't have a HR department so if there is someone who um is like listening to this and thinking oh actually this is starting to ring a bit true with me like what process can they do like where can they go to speak to someone about their contracts and and how they've been dealt with in their employment the best um the best resource is to go to ACAS A-C-A-S um they are basically like an arbitration and um a guidance service and HR professionals are basically governed not quite governed by ACAS but we have to adhere to ACAS best practice they kind of set the the standard for what we have to do Mm -hmm. um they can advise you if you think actually I haven't got a contract or I'm not getting my rest breaks and don't know how to handle it with my employer speak to ACAS they have a free advice line that you can ring they've got lots and lots of resources on their website that's a really really good starting point because they will give you that step-by-step guidance on what to do Mm -hmm. If you're feeling a little bit more ballsy and you're happy to challenge it directly with your employer, um, the best thing you can do is put it in writing. Okay. Um, send them a letter to say, this is what I think I did, I should get and, and make sure you do your research and check that you're you know, putting all the right things in there. Yeah. Um, let's use the contract example. I'm an employee. I should have a contract of employment by law under the Employment Rights Act. Yeah. You need to do me a contract, please. And, and send them a letter yeah. um, because they need to then respond to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great thing. And um, if you like later on, if you can sh- um, send me some like either links or something, then I can pop yes. them in the show notes so people can pop them on there. Yeah, definitely. And then, so I think we might have covered this, but I was just going to ask what are the common problems grooms have with dealing with HR? But I think we've covered it where they are not getting the holiday entitlement they're not getting the correct pay or, or the national minimum wage mm-hmm. of the hours that they are contracted to work um, and their breaks. Do you think that's probably the main common things? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think they're the key things. I think most most equestrian centres and training centres and riding schools will have health and safety because they have to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's normally not an issue. Um, I think probably the only other issue people have is just bad management. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but I think that there's, there's a lot of horsey people out there that are really great with horses and not so good with people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I think that's probably why they work with horses. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Or, okay, so if we flip it on the other side then, so if there is a, maybe it could be just a small livery yard that's employing two people, say, and they thinking, oh God, I haven't got any contracts with my people or I didn't know about that. Where can they go to get, is it the same place or can, where they go to get information to make sure they are doing the right practice for employment? Yeah, ACAS is again another really, really great resource. Um, Gov.uk has got lots of guidance for employers as well. Um, or alternatively, alternatively, when I put my teeth in, <laughs> um, speak to a HR consultant. If you're a business that needs these sorts of things, that's the exact kind of thing that someone like me or someone else in my profession can do for you. Yeah. Um, we can put, help you put the contracts in place. We can help you understand what it is you actually need. Because I think the problem with the problem with things like um, ACAS and gov.uk is it's really generic advice because it's aimed to just help everybody. Yeah. And you will need specific things in your contract based on your setup, your business, what you actually want to achieve with it um, and the terms that you've already agreed with your employees. Yeah. So just speak to somebody, just get some help because it's, it's really not that bad and scary if you just let someone else who knows what they're doing sort it all out for you. It's much yeah. easier. So if someone comes to someone like you, um, at, for example, say it's a yard manager, they've got two employees that come to you and they're like, um, I don't think I've got the right contract or I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure. I, or they could be new to the role and they're not quite sure what they're supposed to do. What yeah. steps do you take for that person what, what sort of the process for you for that client so my process is basically just we set up a zoom call um, and just have a bit of a chat I like to call it just a virtual coffee because I like to just get to know the individual and what they're struggling with and what they think they need to do mm-hmm. I'll then take them through let's say it's a contract issue that we need to sort I'll then say right I'll ask them some questions about what breaks do your team get what do you pay them how often do you pay them do they have to drive the lorry, take the horses to the vet or anything? Do they have access to the company credit card for buying feed and stuff like that or bedding? Or, you know, what I'll ask really specific questions about the the nature of the role and the nature of that relationship. Mm. I then go off, get a contract drafted up based on what we've spoken about, yeah. send it back to the client for them to have a read through, make sure it all makes sense, make sure they understand it make sure that they are happy that we've covered everything off. And for example, if somebody does need to drive a lorry or something like that, you need to make sure they've got the right driving license. We need to have driving policies put in place to make sure that if they, you know, run somebody over that they, they know they're liable for that. Yeah. Yeah. Et cetera, all that kind of stuff. So we do all of that. And then if the client says, actually, I'm not sure about this and we book another zoom call in and we just talk it through. It's a really simple process. Yeah. Um, and I try and make it as easy as possible because it is quite a lot of heavy reading and it's quite, especially when you don't know about contracts and legal documents, they're just, yeah, they're a lot to take in, aren't they, at the best yeah. of times? Yeah, and there's there's lots of jargon in there where sometimes it's not your everyday language and you're like, yeah. I don't know what that means and I don't understand that sentence. So even if you can just put it into simple, simpler terms where people can understand the jargon and you can say, well, what that basically means is X, Y, Z. Exactly and things like that and is it just contracts that um say the groom employee and the employer is it is that the main legal things that they should know about or is there anything else that they should should be aware of the the contract is the only legally required document that needs to be 
present between the employer and the employer. Mm-hmm. A good employer will have policies and procedures in place um, for things like if the employee wants to raise a grievance, they'll have a procedure that says this is how you do it and this is how we manage it. Mm. Um, They're not necessary because if you've only got two members of staff and you've got quite a close knit team, you don't necessarily need a piece of paper to dictate, you know, who they need to ring if they're going to be off sick. It's, you know, you can just communicate it. The policies and procedures come into effect better when you have a slightly larger team and you need to give a consistent message to everybody and say, this is the standard. Mm -hmm. This is what you need to do if in these sort of circumstances. Um, But yeah, the, the contract is the main thing. If you're an employee and you don't have one, you need to push your employer to, to give you one because you're entitled to it. Cool. And um, I think you briefly mentioned it a bit, like earlier but I mean we've talked about like grooms that are employed and self-employed that is just basically an agreement between them and the client that they basically need is there anything else like a self-employed person that will probably need to have in place or do you think that's the main thing I think that's the main thing because it, it just needs to explain the nature of that relationship and clarify things like you know if you're a freelance groom you can't just be doing work for one client you need to be able to do work for lots of other clients on your yeah. books so that's a real key part of your agreement is that your clients understand that you have other clients to yeah. groom for yeah. and you've got other things and other responsibilities um you would obviously want all your professional insurances in place um as well if you're self-employed yeah. um just to cover your backside but yeah it's it's with self-employed it is effectively a contract but we call it a contract for services so it's not a contract of employment yeah. it's just to say this is how it's going to work while I'm doing this piece of work for you and again is that something you can help people with or is there somewhere else where they will need to get that information no that's also something that um, most HR consultants can support you with um, either in providing you with a template so you can go off and do it um, mm-hmm. or we can support with drafting it um, and it includes things like, you know, your payment terms, your expenses terms, mm-hmm. um, when you're working, when you're not working, like what a, what a day's work looks like, your hourly yeah. rate, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's absolutely something we can support with. Excellent. OK, so before I sort of start rounding it off, is there anything else that you wanted to mention where we may not have covered anything? I think we've gone through quite a bit. Um but I didn't know if there was anything that you think, oh, I just want to make that point or just make people aware. I think I think we've pretty much covered it. I think yeah. it's it, just because you're a groom and just because you're working in the equestrian industry doesn't mean that you're not entitled to employment rights. They absolutely apply to you. Yeah. And I think the same goes for equestrian businesses. You know, just because your business is focused on horses, it doesn't mean that you get out of all the employment obligations. You still have to adhere to them. Yeah. And it a lot of my clients think that because they have a small number of employees, they don't need to have things like contracts in place because I think, I think it's in health and safety. It's something like you need to have a health and safety advisor if you've got more than five employees. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people apply that to HR and it just isn't true because it only takes one person to sue you. Yeah. It doesn't, you don't need five to sue Mm -hmm. you. One person will do it. So it doesn't matter how many employees you've got, just make sure you're compliant because honestly, it saves such a headache for everybody involved if you just get it right from from the beginning. Yeah. And I think I think I guess the final point I would make is to not worry if you haven't done things right to this point, because the important thing is, is that you're doing something about it. Yeah. I have yeah. lots and lots of clients that come to me and they've been in business for years 
and they've never had a contract and they go oh god Shona I'm really sorry and I'm like you don't need to apologize to me it we are where we are let's just fix it so that you're okay going forward there's no no judgment a hundred percent and yeah I think we've like where we've talked about it before I think like you're right in saying that there is so many group you know not necessarily grooms just like you say anyone working in the question industry I think we just I don't know if it's just old school and just how we've, we've always done it it's like a word of mouth agreement or um or something like that and we just carry on with the role and we just get on with it and that's what questions are like we just get on with the job um we may have a moan and groan we're normal people but generally as a question we just get the job done and that's it um where I think we do need to be just a little bit more aware and especially with the British Groom Association stats that we have to make employers aware too um and it's not like a dig at them it's, it might be just a case like you said they've just never thought about it because they've had like one or two people working on their yard and they didn't think about having a contract um but like you say it's to cover their ass as much as everyone else's as well isn't yeah. it I mean, when you think, you know, like how many of us have, when we were like 13, 14, worked like a 12 hour shift on our local riding school in exchange for a riding lesson for half an hour, you know, and and you've got, (laughs) again, like I've definitely been in charge of kids on ponies when I was like 14 years old. I can't have been right on any level. If that's how you know, and if you, if you start off you know doing the Saturday girl job and then that's all you know going into your grooming um career yeah that that's I think that's where it comes from I think we just we we have this standard of like unpaid child labor (laughs) on a Saturday yeah and I think it just unfortunately seems to carry on yeah yeah well I have learned a lot today (laughs) (laughs) So I always end my, um, or finish off my podcast with just some quick fire questions, but they're just like fun things. All so right. are you generally a night in or a night out type of gal? Night in. Tea or coffee? Oh, that's a hard, uh, coffee, yeah. <laughs> um, wellies or heels? Oh, it used to be heels, but it's wellies all the way now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in my twenties, I was always in heels, and since yeah. I reached thirty, I was like, "No, well, I'm too old for it now. <laughs> my feet can't take it." If I go on a night out with the girls and I'm wearing heels, I'm literally have them on for like an hour, and then they're off. <laughs> my feet hurt too much. Um, sweet or savoury? Sweet all the way. Um, book or film? Oh, I do love a good book. Yeah. And, and it's normally accompanied with a glass of wine. That's, that's, uh, that's my thing. Are you reading a book at the moment or read one recently? Um, I've just finished a book called, oh, geez, what was it called? It was by Ken Follett and it's part of his Century Trilogy. So it basically the whole trilogy goes from the start of the First World War into the Cold War. Um, so I've just finished the second book, which is based all around the Second World War. Wow. Uh, that was a chunky old book. Um, yeah. But God, yeah, I so bet that was quite interesting, but like a bit full on. I guess you have to really pay attention to that type of book. Yeah, it's a really, really in-depth book, but it's actually quite good because it doesn't, um, it's not your typical Brit versus Germans book. So it takes you through lots of different characters from the Russian side, the French side, the Americans, like all, all throughout the war. And it's it's really interesting. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's not a light read. <laughs> 
And are you um, a Netflix binger type person? Oh, God, yeah. So yeah. what's the last series you kind of binge watched or... We are currently binging. Um, we've just finished The Walking Dead, and now we've moved on to Superstore on Netflix, which is yeah. Hilarious. I have been watching that, but I've I've been watching it when I'm going to sleep. So I'll watch like half an episode and then fall asleep, and then <laughs> yeah. five episodes have gone past, so I have to go back <laughs> again. But it's quite like a light-hearted comedy, isn't it? Yeah, it's really nice, easy watching. Yeah. Like we normally, we normally sort of spend most of the um, weekend down the yard, and then we'll come home for a few hours and just binge Netflix and yeah. eat crap, and then yeah. go back down the yard and finish yes. off. So, um, yeah, Superstore is definitely, definitely one. That's the life. That is the life, isn't it? Just yeah, doing what you like when you like, and do some work in between, and then chill out. That's the life. Absolutely. Yeah. My dream weekend is like horses ridden and mucked out and done afternoon nap on the sofa. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Definitely. Um, So thank you so much, Shona, for your time. I know you're really, really busy. Um, Where can people find you? Like, do you have a website, social media? Where can people find you? Yep. So my website is lilachr.co.uk. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at lilachrltd. And you can also now find me on all your podcasting um, platforms um, with the How to HR podcast. So that's super exciting. And the links to the podcast are all over my socials as well, because it launched like yesterday. Um. (laughs) That's so exciting. Uh, when I saw you were launching it, we've been talking about it, haven't we? And we are yeah. just like, I'm so excited because, um, and like you said, it's not like a, I don't want to use the word, but it's not like a boring HR podcast. You, do you know what I mean? I don't want to undermine your podcast because no. like say, it's not like a exciting subject to talk about, but like with your guests and stuff, it's going to be fun but not like yeah I'm I'm trying really hard to make it not a dry and boring HR podcast (laughs) because I don't enjoy them either so I'm really making the focus on like breaking it down so that the average Joe business owner can listen to it and go right that's what I need to do brilliant that's really easy to understand yes excellent how exciting well thank you so much Shona for your time and um we would love if you guys could screenshot and share on socials and tag both uh Shona and I on your stories and um yeah thank you so much Shona thank you so much for having me I've loved it Thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed it if you are on apple Podcasts, please would you subscribe and leave me a review i really really appreciate it if you want to find me on my social media i am on instagram under cops equine shop underscore services and on facebook i am cops equine shop and services thank you so much and i'll speak to you next time making it if you um, like to follow me on socials my um, Instagram is Cobbs Equine Services and the same on Facebook Cobbs Equine Services um, if you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, uh, 
episodes to other people and I will speak to you all on the next episode.